the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Good morning, Tyson. How are you, sir? I am doing well. I'm doing I'm doing really well. How are you doing? I can't complain. I was just telling Carol I'm arguing a case in Kansas City actually on Thursday at the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals on a denaturalization case that I lost. So it's a little bit a little bit stressful at the moment, but things are good. Matt, you and I will be passing each other on the interstate on Thursday morning unless you're driving in on Wednesday. So because I'm going, I'm going to be in St. Louis. You're going to be in Kansas City. We'll be we'll be two ships passing in the in the in the breeze. I'll be sure to give you the bird as I pass you by. <laughs> Go ahead. I won't see you. Let me introduce our guest today. So it's a longtime member, uh, an original OG member of Maximum Lawyer. Her name's Carol Williams. She's an immigration lawyer down in Atlanta. She's a really good person. And I just got on her website. Whenever I see her face, I smile. So Carol, we're glad to have you on the show. Hello. Hello. How are you all doing? Doing well. Doing well. It's a good, it's a nice, crisp, cold morning. So, um, but it's it's not snowing. So I'm, I'm happy. So Carol, let's just jump right in. Tell us about your practice and, and how you got the path that you, the journey that you took to, to get to where you are now. Sure. I am. I'm actually in Atlanta and in Florida. I'm in sunny South Florida now. So I run a virtual office and I wound up here, not because I planned it, which is apparently how all of my life happens, but I took in my first immigration class I had in law school was actually in Mexico. I was on a study abroad and it was the only class I took that summer. And I quite literally fell in love with everything about the class and everything about the subject. And then honestly, the rest is history. I just went back to law school, weaseled my way into the immigration clinic, read everything I could read, and have been doing immigration ever since, and worked in um, big law, which a a lot of immigration attorneys actually don't cycle through big law, but I was in big law for quite some time, representing companies who were hiring non-U.S. citizens, and then I left big law for a little bit, traveled the world for a little over a year, took a break from life came back to big law, then went into USCIS. So I was part of that big government machine on the immigration side and then left there. And shortly after that, started my own firm down in Atlanta. And then about a year and a half ago, expanded the firm into Florida. So I too have no snow. (laughs) Carol, what lessons did you learn in big law that sort of translated 
to running your own firm, either good things you learned or bad things? Big Law was absolutely great. Big Law really taught me how to run a practice. For those listeners that have never been in Big Law, Big Law is all about building your own book of business um, and how to service your clients. And so that translated really well when I got into my own firm, which was how to network. You know, networking is really key, getting to know people, but also getting to know what your clients want. We had, in my big log groups, we had specific teams set out for clients because clients really needed and wanted different things, whether that was one client wanted an update on all of their files every Tuesday, maybe another one needed a quarterly in-person meeting. So without knowing it, I really learned how to be client-centric and how to really ask what the client wanted and then how to form my team so that we were really giving the client what they needed. And then I worked with some really great rainmakers at the time. So, you know, I learned really kind of how to structure my day to add the rainmaking plus the work, uh, plus the review of the work of paralegals, given that immigration is so paralegal heavy. I have a very similar question to Jim's, but it's with regards to USCIS. So how did how did your time there shape your practice and how you work with your clients? So working within USCIS was great. I handled a business portfolio. So the area of law that I, prior to being in the government, had worked on, I was now in the government, but I was working on it from a completely different standpoint. Like I was literally working on the opposite side and I was advocating for the complete opposite of what I was advocating for on the outside. So when I then left the government and came back into private sector, it is much easier for me now to look at a new piece of legislation or a new policy or when I listen to a, an engagement call with the government, it's easier for me now to read between the lines and really understand what they are trying to convey to us as, as private practice attorneys. Part of what I did was work with the adjudicators, the folks that actually review the petitions. So, you know, several years of talking with them and, you know, dealing with files with them now gives me a much better understanding of what the government wants to see in a file, but most importantly, what they don't want to see in a file, what they don't consider relevant. And that has been really helpful in terms of guiding my clients um, in terms of the way to shift thinking about their application and, and about what they're trying to achieve and how to work best with the government. So it's, so it's really just sort of understanding the agency that you are now up against every single day. All right, Carol, so tell us about when you had that entrepreneurial seizure and wanted to go out on your own. How did that sort of work its way through? You know, it was it was actually pretty terrifying. <laughs> I'm not one of these people that, you know, had it all planned out. I didn't I didn't have a business plan when I started. I literally just decided that I wasn't right for big law. Like it just wasn't a good fit for me anymore. I felt like a square peg in a round hole. So I just and I decided I didn't want to go back to the government. I had done there, been there, done that and so I thought, well, the next sort of natural thing, it would seem, was to start my own firm. So I started my own firm. I wanted to take a slightly different client base. I wanted to do, in addition to representing businesses, I also wanted to represent individuals. That doesn't really lend itself in a big firm. 
and I literally one day jumped off a cliff, got online, got my LLC together. I remember hitting the submit button and not really understanding what had just happened, thinking, oh, well, is it done? Like, do I have a business? Am I set up? What do I do now? And then I called my brother, who's a real estate agent in New York City, and a fantastic one, by the way. And I said, okay, well, I've done this. And he said, okay, now we need to get you more strategic in your networking. And he just laid out all of these things that I needed to do. He said, you know, I needed to be strategic in my networking. I needed to figure out exactly who I wanted my clients to be, you know, where I thought they were going to come from, how to get in front of them, and really just walked me through the process that he had gone through years before when he started to become a real estate agent because that is also running your own business. So I literally jumped off the cliff, had no idea what I was doing, and over time, you know, I have found excellent resources like you all, you know, like the podcast, you know, the different Facebook groups out there, and, you know, other folks that I knew who had gone out on their own before me who were also immigration attorneys who were so incredibly helpful. You know, there are other attorneys in Atlanta who offered their help and assistance and just would let me call them and ask the most mundane questions in terms of what technology do I use? How do I set myself up? Where do, you know, where's the best place and the cheapest place to get paper clips. I mean, any and all questions were on the table. And I just really developed this really great network of other giving attorneys that were so giving to me and helpful to me. Girl, there really are just so many resources out there. Bill Umansky sent Jim and I a text this morning just saying, you know, he loved the community. He, he, he likes mentoring younger lawyers. And there's a lot of other lawyers in the group that are willing to do that, which I, that's what I love about the community. But I, here's what I want. I want you to think back through the first year and I want you to talk talk it through with us and, and how things went for that first year because that's usually the most difficult time for people it's the most exciting time for people so walk us through that how, how did that go sure so my first year was absolutely terrifying and exhilarating all at the same time I joined some networking groups so that I could get to know people I had no idea what I was doing. In that year, I learned how to hone my elevator pitch and re- like really, really think about it and really workshop it with some other attorneys in my networking group. I obsessed over some of the craziest things when I think back now, just some of the craziest things. One of my obsessions was sign hair stickies. The big firm, we always had sign hair stickies. We would send forms out to the clients with the appropriate sign hair stickies. And I obsessed for probably a good two months about the fact that I didn't want to pay for sign hair stickies and that my clients would think I was thoroughly unprofessional. And everyone I told started laughing at me and I was like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to lose the few clients I have over these sign hair stickies. And when I think about it now, six and a half years in, like it, it's crazy. But I spent a lot of time obsessing over very small things. What I did not do my first year of practice, which I think everyone should do, is when I had all this downtime, when I was creating my firm, when I was looking for clients, I did not set up processes and procedures in my firm. And I really should have. And I didn't understand the importance of that until much, much later. So that's one big thing that I didn't do that I should have done. Um, I think what I did really well in my first year was to set up a file structure 
for every every client. And while I would love to take credit for that, I can't. That actually comes from my immigration clinic professor from college, uh, from law school. And my first year was a lot of trial and error. It was a lot of trial and error. It was, you know, just asking a lot of questions and understanding that questions are a good thing and really relying a lot on my friends who were other other immigration attorneys. There was a lot of self-doubt that first year, and I have a really, some really good immigration attorney friends that I went to law school with and that I worked, worked with since law school, and I would call them, and they would say, you know you're right. You know this, you know, you know what you're doing from a legal perspective. It's just self-doubt because you're by yourself. And they were 100% correct, and they were 100% supportive and answered all of my questions. And I'm proud to say I do not call them every day now with crazy questions. But the first year was absolutely terrifying and absolutely exhilarating. There were days I didn't know there would be a firm the next day, the next hour, the next month. Not a whole lot of sleep that first year. Proud to say I'm sleeping much better now. But yeah, I mean, it was it was, it was a tough year. A lot of guesswork went into it. And um, I was cleaning my desk, actually really towards the end of the first year of my practice. And I keep, I write in notebooks. I keep everything in notebooks. And so I found the notebook that I used during that first year. And I, you know, I'm surrounded by all this paper in my office. And I just started flipping through the notebook. And I just started laughing and remembering all the things that used to confuse me, you know, like what, what should the corporate entity be, you know, the, the whole, the whole sign here, sticky things. And do I want files? You know, do I want paper files? Do I want electronic files? You know, what does that look like? You know, I've tried 18,000 networking groups and only two of them are really good. And I'm, you know, obviously I'm not doing enough. And, you know, it's all the self-doubt that I had pouring out through these pages of my notebook. But the great thing was that I was past all that. And I was now onto new and different challenges that I was very sure that the next year I would look back at that notebook and be amazed that, you know, that I got through that. So, yeah, that was kind of my first year. A lot of self-doubt, but really, really excited about it all. That's great, Carol. Um, journaling is, is so helpful, both, like you said, why you're doing it, and then when you get to read it later and laugh. Hey, listen, talk to us a little bit about where your best clients come from, sort of how you've developed your, your firm and helped it grow. So, a lot of my clients come from attorneys that don't do what I do and networking and getting to know people and really building good, solid relationships. Um, so I sat down and, well, sat down several different times and really kind of figured out who I liked to work with. You know, when I look back at my time in, in, in big law, you know, who did I really gel with? You know, who did I really just love to work with and who did I have a really great working relationship with? And so I kind of built that out and, you know, really put it on paper and then tried to figure out where those folks hung out. And, I, you know, and there's still a part of me that's still trying to figure out where your ideal client hangs out because it's not like they all hang out at the same, the same organization or the same watering hole, you know, or the same place online. But then I realized that a very big source of referrals for me were truly other attorneys that didn't do what I did. And since I was in this networking mode when I first started my firm, and, I, and I'm still in that networking mode, I wound up getting to know a lot of different attorneys. 
And it just happened that a lot of attorneys that I was meeting were not immigration attorneys. And the one thing they all said to me was, I don't understand what you do. I don't want to understand what you do. I just need to know that I can call you and give, you know, and can can do these individuals or these businesses and they'll be taken care of. And I said, if you trust me with your current clients or your referral, they'll absolutely do right by them. So I spent a lot of time building up a referral network of other attorneys. Um, I've actually started a an attorney-only lunch slash networking group down here in Florida just to give attorneys just, just a space to be attorneys and to hang out and to talk about all things related to our practices without having someone come in and try to sell us a service. I certainly think there's a time and a place for that, but I wanted to create a safe space for attorneys to just come and workshop through their, you know, workshop through ideas in their firms that they're working through or, you know, that they may be struggling with or say, hey, I had this really great win last week and my family doesn't really get it because, you know, my spouse is irritated that I haven't washed the dishes and my kids are upset because I, you know, I miss, because I missed the ball game, right? It's just giving attorneys a really safe space. And so it's about building relationships with other attorneys. So often joke around that I run my mouth all over town. You know, and I did, you know, and I met, I have met a lot of people since I've been back in Florida and I, you know, I still go up to Atlanta and keep in touch with people there. And really for me, it's about relationship building. That's really my strongest source. I don't do any pay-per-click. I don't do any paid ads. For me, it's really about building relationships. Um, and that's really kind of where I focus. And so when I was thinking about who my best clients were, it were those clients where we talked about more than the work. You know, I knew about their home lines. I knew about their families. Um, there was one client in particular that kind of started me on this path that I spent a lot of time with this client in person. We had a huge audit to do. And through that audit, you know, I went over to her house. I had you know, dinner with her and her family and her mom. And I realized that that's the kind of relationship that I want with my clients. So I seek out those kinds of relationships with my clients and those kinds of relationships with other, other attorneys. So for me, it's all about relationship building. Carol, you seem very put together and successful. And so it, it's easy to, uh, from the outside looking in, seeing like, you know, she's got everything put together. She is, she is, she's got it going on. Tell us what you struggle with though. Cause I mean, it's, everything can't be all wonderful and roses all the time. You, Cause you seem like you've got it together. So what, what is it that you struggle with? So I love that you think I have it all together. I call myself a functional hot mess. <laughs> it, takes, it takes a lot to keep me sort of organized. I think the biggest struggle for me right now is time management. And that's when I realized, you know, for months at the end of every day, I would have all of these open tabs on my computer, all these open files. And they were, you know, sort of half-touched. And so it's, you know, to me, it's like squirrels. Like, oh, look at that. It's new and it's shiny. Oh, okay, wait, my phone's ringing. Oh, wait, there's an email. And I was constantly jumping from item to item to item. And that, that feeling of frustration, that feeling of not getting work done, even though I felt exhausted by the end of the day, that I, you know, thought I was working really hard. And I was working really hard, but I wasn't working very smart. So that's what actually prompted me to get a business coach. So I sought out a business coach and I sat down with him and he said, all right, well, what, what, do you, what are you struggling? Same question you just asked. And I said, 
I have all these open files at the end of the day and nothing is completely done and I feel so far behind and I feel like my clients are all going to start screaming at me. And he said, okay, I get that. And so he reintroduced me to block scheduling. So whenever I start to feel a little out of control with just the number of cases and the fact that I don't feel like I'm moving them fast enough, my clients are complaining. I just feel like I'm not moving them as fast as I want to be moving them. I go back to that conversation, that first conversation that I had with him, and I go back to my block scheduling. Because, you know, every, I'm a human, right? Like, I'm a functional hot mess, and every so often I go completely off the rails, and I just, like, I stop my block scheduling, and that's when, that's when it all falls apart for me. So when I go back to basics, and I start blocking, you know, I go back to my block scheduling, I can see that that helps me keep everything together. It really helps me keep my time organized. It helps me be more efficient with the work that I'm doing. I tend to go, you know, I tend to spend less time jumping from, you know, from from phone call to email to, you know, client work. That's been a big struggle for me. It's always been a big struggle. Um, and thanks to my business coach, he, you know, sort of helped me identify what it was that what it what the problem was, and then a solution to fix it you know, to help me kind of work on it. So that's, that's kind of a big thing for me is just really trying to keep to my block scheduling and not being enticed by every new shiny thing that happens during the day. We will pause for a word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsor, Smith AI. Smith AI is a superior receptionist service for law firms trusted by many maximum lawyers, including me. At my immigration practice, the hacking law practice, Smith's friendly U.S.-based receptionists respond to potential clients in English or Spanish screen and schedule new leads, and even take payment for our consults. The best part is that they don't just handle these conversations by phone. They also have live agents and chatbots capturing leads on our website through their chat widget. They serve as our friendly gatekeepers while my team and I work uninterrupted. We get new clients and we get work done. How awesome is that? If you're in a solo or small firm, I know you'll appreciate this. Plans start at just $70 a month for calls and $100 a month for chats. They even offer a totally free chatbot, so there's no excuse. Try Smith AI today and see for yourself why attorneys like me say Smith AI receptionists are the secret to business growth. Smith AI offers a free trial and maximum lawyer listeners get an extra $100 discount with promo code MAXLAW100. That's M-A-X-L-A-W-1-0-0. Sign up and learn more at www.smith.ai. Trust me when I say don't let another day go by, try Smith AI. We're talking on the Maximum Lawyer podcast today with Carol Williams. She was just explaining to us the values of block scheduling, and that's such good advice. And Carol, and you also mentioned your business coach. And I know that you are in several groups and that you're not afraid to spend a little money to try to improve your practice. Tell us about sort of your coaching journey and the things that you've learned along the way. Sure. Um, so my first business coach, like I was saying, really helped me figure out my block scheduling and sort of took all that anxiety off the table and I still I still work with this business coach um he I joke around like he's never ever getting rid of me but along the way you know I've had I've asked for help to understand marketing and sales you know I've had someone sit down and really help me understand not only the numbers of my business but how to evaluate those numbers you know and how to really look at those numbers so that I help my, you know, I, I help my firm grow. I've worked with folks that have helped me really develop a, a business plan. 
you know, when I started my practice, I thought growth for me would look like an office eventually buying a building and having all these employees in one location. And for probably two years, I really, that, that was sort of my focus and that was my goal. And I really was working towards that. But there was something in me that wasn't fully bought into that idea. And then I realized, because that's not actually my goal. I actually hate going into an office every day and I always have. You know, so I had, I had adopted other goal. I had adopted someone else's goals essentially. Um, and so my business coach helped me realize that, you know, if that's not me and that's not who I am, then that doesn't have to be my goal. That, that may be the majority of lawyers' goals, right? But that doesn't have to be my goal. You know, so through that business, which I was really able to figure out that my goal is really to have 100% virtual firms, to have people all over the country and or world who are a cohesive team and still working together, but that don't come into one location every day to get work done. You know, and I've always been that person long before work from home was a thing, long before, long before it was popular. I was like, well, can I just take this home and do it? You know, it'll, it'll get done much faster if I don't have people coming into my office and all this. And I can just get rid of all the distractions. And so my old supervisors were great and that they allowed me to do that. So goodness only knows why I thought I wanted this whole brick and mortar office. I don't really know. But, you know, but just being open to talking to other attorneys, talking to people who know more than I do, and then being willing to listen to their, their answers. You know, I have what I call my brain trust of, you know, very, very close friends and attorneys, and I talk to them. You know, I'm like, what are you doing for this? Here's what I'm thinking. Does this make any sense? You know, tell me why this is a bad idea or tell me why it's a good idea. You know, and they are honest, and I think they are, I think they feel free to be honest because I listen and I'm not going to, you know, sort of thought. So when I seek out someone's advice, whether it's, you know, like a professional coach and that's their job, or just another attorney, I really want their input because I really don't know the answer. Don't tell my brother this, but I actually don't know the answer to everything because I've convinced him that I do. But, you know, I just, I appreciate someone else's perspective. Being a business owner was, was, was and still is completely new to me. You know, I'm still learning. I don't know everything there is to know about running a business. So for me, it's been really great to get other people's advice. And, you know, one of the things I love about the Facebook community that you all have created is that it's such a safe space for people to ask questions. And it's such a safe, safe place for people to disagree with one another. And we all learn from that process. You know, like I read things every day and I'm like, oh, I haven't really thought about that. I don't have that problem now, but I, I, I will have it at some point, right? Because growth means that, that, that you have different problems. And so that's, that for me is great to be able to learn from other people. So I've always just really tried to get help in running this business called my law firm, you know, because I didn't know what I was doing. I knew how to practice law. I had that down, but P&L statements, bookkeeping, I had no idea. I had no idea. But, you know, I, I, I was forced to ask, ask for help, you know, and I, all, I still ask for help. So I think it's great. Like my coaches, my coaches do a lot for me. It's funny. You're saying like P&L statements and things like that. And people are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so if you're saying that right. right now, reach out to someone and, and, and get some advice. So that's, that's, that's funny. So here, out of sheer curiosity, just out of sheer curiosity, if you're not going to be a lawyer, what would you do? Hmm. So originally, when I went to law school, I was not planning on practicing forever. I was going to practice for maybe 10 or 15 years, and then I was going to be a travel agent because I'd love to travel. 
Um, so the internet has sort of not made travel agents obsolete, but made it much more harder. Um, traveling travel agents are now much more niche. But I think today, if I were not going to practice law, I would like to go into one of the trades and be creative and use my hands every day and spend time outside. I don't know which trade. I don't know what that would look like. But I would like to do something creative where I could use that side of my brain. I don't know that that side of my brain gets used every day. I mean, truly, if I didn't have to work, I would be a lady that lunches and travels. That I am extremely good at. I am very good at lunching and eating, and I am very good at travel. So if we could somehow make a job out of that, yeah, that would be ideal. If you're listening <laughs> and you've got that kind of a job, give Carol a call. She <laughs> might be willing to give up the law. I might be. I might be. <laughs> All right, Carol, for my last question, talk to us a little bit about the move down to Florida and how running the virtual office in Atlanta has worked out. So my office in Atlanta was really always a virtual office. I had virtual office space where I would go and I would just use it as an address and I would meet clients there. And then when I decided to relocate and expand down to Florida, I again looked at my clients and what they were saying to me. And every single client that came to the office after the first meeting, they all asked me, do I have to come back to the office? Traffic is bad. I have to take time off of work. Do I have to come back? And I said, well, actually, no, you don't ever have to come back to the office. I'm more than happy to do things over video conference, email, and phone. And when I moved down to Florida, I decided not to even get virtual office space. So I don't have office space here in Florida. I still have the virtual office space in Atlanta, but I don't have a virtual office space in Florida. And honestly, no one has really cared. You know, everyone is perfectly fine not having to take time off of work in the middle of the day and, you know, and drive to me. I do more client visits where I will go out to them, if that makes sense, depending on, you know, the, the facts of the case and, you know, what, what's happening with the client. But for my corporate clients, they really don't have time. You know, they don't really, there's no expectation for them that, that I see them face-to-face. So they're perfectly fine with, with phone and email. Some of my family-based clients, my family immigration-based they they're great with, with video conference. And also, you know, Jim, you, you get this. Our clients aren't always in the United States. So I have found that if I'm dealing with, with a married couple or a fiancé situation or one person that's outside of the U.S., the fact that I offer a video conference makes that person who's outside of the U.S. feel like they're more involved in the process. They have an opportunity to see me, lay eyes on me, ask me questions directly versus having to go through their spouse or their fiancé all the time to get answers. You know, so it, it eliminates this whole game of telephone. You know, and they have direct access to me. So I found that the clients really were fine with that. I remember I emailed my clients when I was leaving Atlanta, you know, kind of gave them the rundown and gave them a time frame of, you know, when, you know, when I would be actively moving and unpacking boxes and, you know, when I would have my new PO box set up down in Atlanta. And I thought I was going to get some pushback. If I tell you exactly one client emailed me and they said, congratulations, just let us know when you're all set up. And I kept saying, I was like, God, they must all be mad. They must all be ready to go somewhere. And my friends kept saying, no, 
they're fine. It just means that they know that you'll continue to get the work done. And I said, no, 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 you're wrong. No, no, you're wrong. They, they're, no, they're all getting ready to go somewhere else. And I asked a few of them, and they're like, we didn't really care. They're like, we don't care where you do our work from as long as it gets done. So that was, that, that was a huge lesson in and of itself. So I took this leap of moving to Florida and expanding the firm, not sure if it was, not sure if it would work, you know, not sure if I would take my existing clients with me. And they were like, we don't really care where you are. In fact, only one of them responded to my email. I love so it. it's been mm-hmm. it's been a really smooth process, quite honestly. Like I I thought there would be more bumps in the road, but it was a very, very smooth process. Good stuff. All right. So I hate to do this, but we do have to wrap things up. Before I do, I want to remind everyone to register for MaxLawCon twenty twenty. I'm pretty sure we've already sold more tickets as of right now than we did all of last year, but we want to pack the house. And if you really want to build your practice and get better, you should register for it. It's, it is one of the cheapest conferences you'll ever pay for, especially for the value that you're going to get. Cause we got a lot of great speakers. The, the lineup is amazing. So make sure you register because at the end of the month, so beginning of beginning of March, the prices go up again and they won't go down anymore. So make sure that you get your tickets now. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? Just got done reading a nice little business novel. It's called the four obsessions of the, Effective Entrepreneurs by Patrick Lencioni, and it's really good. It talks about you know what you have to do with your teams and clarity and in coaching your team, and I got a lot out of it. Very good stuff. All right, Carol, you know the routine. You've got a tip or a hack for us. What is it? So my tip is The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. It is all it. For me, it is the foundation of my practice, the foundation of my law firm. It is about thinking thinking about others before you think about yourself. And essentially that karma will work its way back to you, but really building great relationships by focusing on other people. I love that book. It's one of my favorites. Whenever Jim and I speak, sometimes I give away the book. So it's it's really good. I love that book. What were you going to mm-hmm. say, Jim? We had Bob on the show. Yeah, Bob, Bob was um, one of our... I remember whenever we got Bob to come on the show, we were, Jim and I were just so nerdy and, and excited about it because it, it was just awesome. So it was, he's he's he, amazing. Yeah, and he lived the book. It, it, that was yeah. amazing about it. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, I'll come on the show. There's no problem. And thanks to Mitch Jackson <laughs> for setting that up, by the way. Mitch helped us set it, up, set it up. All right, so my tip is just a fun little app that Christopher Nicolason introduced me to. And if anybody saw his video yesterday, it was it's from the Sway app. And it is the funniest thing. So it's you can you can find creative ways to mix this into your into your marketing. But basically, what you do, Jim, is you and I want to see a video from from both of you today. All right, Carol and Jim, download the Sway app, and it has you like do these different motions, you know, move around, and it, and using their what they say artificial intelligence, it will you can pick a song and it'll have you dancing to the song and doing the dance, and it looks pretty darn real. It's pretty freaking cool. It was so real that I showed my wife and she's like, how'd you do that? And then, and then, and then I showed my kids and they, they actually think it's me dancing. And so it's it's so cool. So that is, it's, it's called the Sway app. There are two apps in the app store called Sway. It's the one that is, has to do with dancing. So I'll pick that one. All right, that is our show for this week. Carol, thanks so much for coming on. I learned a lot from you. So thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You guys are great. Thanks guys. Thank you all. We'll see ya. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, content. 
go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time. Hey, this is Tyson Mutrix again. And really quick, I want to thank you so much for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, can you imagine what it would be like to experience this for two days with 300 other insane Maximum Lawyers who are just like you, think like you, believe like you, and have a vision like you? If you'd like to do that, then you need to be at this year's Maximum Lawyer Conference coming up very, very soon. If you don't have your tickets yet, go to maxlawcon.com. It'll give you the ability to come to a place with a whole bunch of people who think like you, believe like you, who see visions like you of what they can create and what they can become. Maximum Lawyer Conference is not just a marketing event. It's not just a personal development event. It's both of those things wrapped into one. And as an experience, it will change your life forever. So make sure you get your tickets. If you haven't yet, go to maxlawcon.com and get your tickets. After you get your tickets, you'll be there with 300 other insane, crazy, fun Maximum Lawyers talking about how to grow their businesses, sharing all of the best marketing secrets, the things that are working today. You've got to get your tickets now by going to maxlawcon.com. Thanks so much, and I'll see you in St. Louis.